Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I am your host, Michael Arias, and in this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Kyle Stanley. Starting the morning, 7 a.m., arriving there, working till 7 p.m., getting home, reading articles, then lecturing, then like being introduced as Kyle the Dentist. I lost who I was. I was Kyle the Dentist. I wasn't just Kyle. And the difficulty with that when you're a dentist is when you have a procedure that doesn't go well, which you're bound to happen, right? <laughs> a crown falls off, an implant fails, you know, the aesthetics aren't great, the bite isn't good, it happens. But then your whole self-worth crashes as well. If it's just your profession, oh, something bad happened. But if it's who you are, that means, oh, something's wrong with me. And so I had to really separate myself. I could still be in, you know, I could still love dentistry, I could still be passionate about it, but it couldn't be who I am. You know, who I am is a father and a husband, a neighbor and a family man. Like, that's who I am. Dentistry is what I do as my profession. It's what I do to make money. Yeah. And I'm still passionate about it. I still love it. I still think it's a great profession, but it has to be under control. Great episode, guys. Uh, well, first, we dive into his past a little bit, how his dad was a dentist and his brother's a dentist. He didn't think he wanted to get into medicine. And then, but bada but boom, he got into medicine and he got into dentistry. And then he eventually opened up his own practice or he partnered up with his partner. And we dive into that um, a little bit more in this episode, how he maintained such a great relationship with his partnership. I know sometimes we think, is it a good idea to have a partner? Do we even need one? What's the point, right? Uh, you, I've heard so many bad stories about partnerships. So we discuss a little bit more and dive into some key components to maintaining a great partnership. And we also discuss about his practice that's located in Beverly Hills. And he has, I believe he mentioned, he has over 50 dentists in his building alone. That's not in the state. That's not in the block. That's not in the strip. Just in his building alone. So how does he differentiate his practice, right, from every every other practice there, every other dentist? It's very unique, very interesting. I love the concept that he has. He also talks to us about how he um, lectures, right, and what he lectures about or how he lectures around the world and also about his company called Pearl. Now, guys, Pearl is, this is going to be something you haven't heard of or maybe you have, maybe some of you have heard of it here and there, but I truly, truly believe this is going to be something. This technology, artificial intelligence, will be in every single practice coming up here pretty soon. And so I really want you to grasp this episode, um, grasp the idea, see how it's really going to change the way you, I guess, talk to your patients, how it's going to improve your case acceptance and so much more. So listen to that. Remember, the company's called Pro. If you want to check it out, go in the show notes below. Really, really awesome thing that they're doing. And at the same time, we also talk about um, depression and anxiety, how he felt like he went too far into dentistry at one point. And then at the same time, we talk about systems that he does in his practice that's unique or very, very specific to his practice that can also better you guys listening. And one thing that I really like that he, I appreciate that they, he says is he is very hyper-organized. The whole team, the whole practice, his partner, everybody is hyper-organized. Reminds me of my wife. <laughs> She's very hyper-organized too. But um, listen to this episode to see how being hyper-organized can truly benefit 
your practice. And there's never enough where you're like, okay, I'm fully organized. There's always more you can do to organize, which means creating systems, protocols, and so much more. So guys, without further delay, here is Dr. Kyle Stanley. Kyle, how's it going, man? Good. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for being on. I know you guys are doing really, really amazing things at Pearl. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I come from a family of dentists. My dad is a dentist. My brother's a dentist. I was the artist in the family that didn't think I uh, wanted to get into medicine until I was really in college. And that's when I looked into it, got really fascinated by oral surgery, ended up doing my, my implant surgery residency in Brazil, and then um, opened a practice with my partner, Matt Najad in Beverly Hills. Started um, lecturing, teaching around the world, and practicing, of course. And then, you know, about six years ago, started an artificial intelligence company called Pearl with one of my then patients. And uh, here we are today. <laughs> nice, man. Okay, so rewind a little bit. You said you were the artist in the family. You didn't want to be into dentistry at all? I, was, I never like grew up saying I want to be a dentist or I want to be a doctor at all. I wanted to be, so I was a professional dancer as a kid. I was a professional musician. So, you know, I wanted to draw, I wanted to paint, I wanted to play music, I wanted to dance. And it wasn't until really college that I got interested in medicine and thought, hey, maybe I want to do medicine. Maybe I want to be a plastic surgeon or maybe I want to be a dentist. Gotcha. What was it in college where you finally were like, okay, you know what, dance and drawing's probably not going to be it for me. You know, I was doing a biology major just because I was always interested in biology and animals and how the human body works. And I think it was being around these other people that were pre-med or pre-dent. And I thought, you know, my dad's a dentist. Maybe I should try that. Maybe I'll be interested in it. And I went and I shadowed with an oral surgeon and just fell in love with it. And I loved actually the artistic aspect of it and the fact that you could mix science and art together and actually use your hands. Yeah. Before that, you never worked with your dad? Nope. I would, you know, go into his office and play around with the squirt the water. My brothers and I would throw water at each other and take the, take the lights and play Star Wars and things like that. But no, I never, never worked with my dad, never did, um, never did like shadowing until after dental school. Then I ended up working with him for a few years, actually. Gosh, was he pretty shocked that you're like, oh, you, you want to take dentistry now or no? No, I guess not because I already had a brother that was a dentist. So maybe he thought that it was coming. Yeah, it just... Took some time. From that point on, once you, I kind of, kind of decided I want to be a dentist. Were you like, all right, I'm, I'm going to eventually own my own practice one of these days, or that was never in the books? No, that's the only thing I thought dentists did. I thought that was that was all you could do at dentistry. I didn't know you could be a speaker. I didn't know you could be a researcher. I didn't know you could be a tech entrepreneur. I didn't know any of that. I thought every dentist got out of dental school and just had their own practice and worked for, you know, 40 years until they retired. And that was what my dad did. So that was all I knew. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely knew that that's what I wanted to do. Got I didn't know that there was all this other opportunity in dentistry. When did that start kicking in for you? Like all this other opportunity? I think it was when I was in dental school. I had um, a mentor named Pascal Manier, who was a very famous dentist and teaches around the world. And I remember him saying, you know, I have to go to Switzerland. I'm teaching a group there and I've got to go to China and I'm teaching a group there. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And he said something about an honorarium. And I was like, 
what's an honorarium? He said, well, that's what they pay me. And I was like, you get paid to do that? That seems so easy. So me growing up on stage, I loved being in front of people. I thought that that was easy for me. That's usually the biggest fear of most people. <laughs> but for me, I was like, you get paid to talk to people? That's so simple. And so um, I ended up writing art, an article that got published my junior year. In my senior year, I actually did my first lecture. So I started lecturing and then, you know, uh, once I got out of school, at one point I was lecturing 40 times a year. So I was all over the world. Wow. Your senior year was your first, what was it about? So it was about something called ONJ, which is osteonecrosis of the jaw. Basically when uh, certain biofilms get on the jaw and heated away and it was a big hot topic about 10 years ago. Gotcha, gotcha. And then from that point on, are you still lecturing that much or not? I am. Yeah, I lecture about maybe 25 times a year now. Wow, man. Like you really took it on and then just kind of ran with it, right? The lecturing. Yeah, I loved it. I loved interacting with people. I loved the lack of responsibility, meaning like it's just me. I always get paid. I'm not chasing money. I get great interactions with colleagues. I get to travel. There's no overhead. There's no staff. So for me, it was, I mean, the only negative was, you know, being away from your family, <laughs> which is a big negative now that I have young kids. But yeah. So did it ever in your mindset or in your mind where like, you know what, should I just drop the practice and just lecture 24 seven? It's a lot easier from what you're saying. It actually. And that it would that's a big part of what I um, am an advocate for now is mental health because I went way too far into dentistry. I was obsessed with dentistry. It took over my life. It was who I was. And I went through depression and anxiety. And I was lucky that I ended up coming out of it. And it was because of that that I started my light side course. So I actually started a, a course and a support group and a community of dentists that are going through this because when I was going through it, I luckily had my dad and my brother to talk to, but most dentists don't have anybody to talk to. And unfortunately, sometimes this leads to suicide. So um, that's been, you know, a big part of who I am over the last five years is trying to help other doctors go through this difficult process. So you went way... Talk to me about that. What does that mean going too far into dentistry? Like you're just doing too much in dentistry or? Yeah, it was like, you know, starting the morning, 7 a.m., arriving there, working till 7 p.m., getting home, reading articles, then lecturing, then like being introduced as Kyle the dentist. I lost who I was. I was Kyle the dentist. I wasn't just Kyle. And the difficulty with that when you're a dentist is when you have a procedure that doesn't go well, which you're bound to happen, right? <laughs> a crown falls off, an implant fails, you know, the aesthetics aren't great, the bite isn't good, it happens. But then your whole self-worth crashes as well. If it's just your profession, oh, something bad happened. But if it's who you are, that means, oh, something's wrong with me. And so I had to really separate myself. I could still be in, you know, I could still love dentistry, I could still be passionate about it, but it couldn't be who I am. You know, who I am is a father and a husband, a neighbor and a family man. Like, that's who I am. Dentistry is what I do as my profession. It's what I do to make money. Yeah. And I'm still passionate about it. I still love it. I still think it's a great profession, but it has to be under control. 
When did you start, I guess, scaling it back then? Or I, better question, when did you notice it? When did it start like? 2017. Oh so it was about, about, you know, eight months or a year after my son was born. And I think that had something to do with it. I realized what was important in life. It wasn't, you know, prepping another tooth so I could make a little bit of money. It was, no, being present with my family, being home and being able to support the people that I love. That's what was important to me. Yeah. So in 2017, a year after your, this is your first child, right? Yeah. First child was born. That's when you're like, that's when the depression and anxiety hit or no? That's when that's you, right. mm-hmm. uh, cause you weren't with them or is it because like cases, you know, your mind was somewhere else and you're like, uh, yes, yeah, I had some complications. I, you know, got sick of people telling me every day that I hate you cause you're a dentist being called at all hours of the night on emergencies. Like. I just had to start scaling back because I, it, it was too much for me. So today, do you still kind of feel that sometimes whenever you? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it's why I've limited my clinical practice so much. Mm-hmm. How many, how many days are you practicing normally? I'm about a few times a month. That's good. That's yeah. really, really good. Beverly Hills is a tough, tough uh, demographic uh, right there. Like how, why, why there? You know, we were taught high-end dentistry by, again, Pascal Mun. And I say we, me and my partner, Dr. Matt Najad. And it takes time. It's expensive. And you can't do that anywhere. You need to have a population that can support that. So we weren't taught how to do like traditional dentistry. We were only taught like the super best, you know, European style of dentistry. Mm. And you need a population that cares about quality and isn't just there to get in and out. And so because we were in that neighborhood and um, we found a practice that we felt like could support that, that's why we went there. Have you ever found like it's been really, really difficult to market your practice there? Yeah, you know, it's competitive (laughs) in the sense that, you know, we have over 50, I think it's 52 dentists in my building. So there's a lot. That's not like in my, on my block, in my state, in my county, like in my building, there's 52 dentists. So you have to really differentiate yourself. And how we've differentiated ourselves is being slow. We are slow. We take our time. We're probably double the cost of other people in our, in our building, but our patients are there for quality. Now, if you're the patient that wants to come, get it quick, get out, barely see the dentist, this isn't our practice. We don't take insurance. We're out of network. We try to make our fees fair for what we do, but they tend to be on the higher end. Man. So speak for service. You guys are, I like that, slow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a concept from my friend Miguel Stanley in Portugal called slow dentistry concept. And it has to do with quality over quantity. And even, even telling the patients, like, we're slow. How do we do it? But, you know, when we do an, when we do an exam or when we do like a new new patient consultation, it can be an hour or two hours, but you're going to pay for that. You know, you're going to pay for that quality. That's good. Don't they say, wasn't it from a movie, like slow is steady and then steady is fast, something like that, yeah. right? And then, yeah, I've heard that, that before. That, this is really good. I, I, I never, I don't know, you would think like in, in Beverly Hills, you, you have to do something like major, right? I, I never thought of it coming down to like the way you do the clinical side of dentistry where it has to be slow, right? The concept and the meaning of like, the quality has to be superb. That's the only way you can do it, right? If it's yeah. slow. Well, we've, we've advertised that specifically. And 
you know, it also helps that both me and Dr. Najad are on the lecture circuit. So we actually get a lot of referrals from other dentists that, you know, hey, my sister lives in LA or I have a patient that's moving there or, you know, this is the case that I don't really want to take on. I saw Matt speak about it. And so we tend to get a lot of referrals from other doctors. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So that's interesting, man, that it's 52 people in there. It's just you guys. You know what I mean? How many employees do you have? Good question. How many? Maybe 10, 12, something like that. Wow. Yeah. We're a small office. We only have three chairs. Oh, but 10 employees though. That's pretty, yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that's, we have three front office staff. We have our own laboratory technician. Everybody has like a specific, uh, role. To mm-hmm. fill, right? And like, we always have two assistants with each doctor. Gotcha, man. That's interesting. Do you guys, are, you're open every single day of the week or no? We're open Monday through Friday. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And right now, what are you guys currently doing for marketing and advertising? It's a good question. You know, my partner handles a lot of that part, but a lot of what we do tends to be as individuals. So on our Instagram is probably one of the biggest places where we get patients and referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my, my partner handles most of that. Right now you're mainly in um, lecturing. You're practicing clinically, right? Hands-on. And now you're doing Pearl, right? That's right. Pearl is my, my main focus there. Before you give me a little bit about that, would this be considered going too far into dentistry? Because I have few different things on my plate. Yeah, like another, like here's, here's Pearl now, you know? Yeah. No, because I've separated my purpose in life from being a good dentist. My purpose in life is to be a good father, to be a good husband. So once I've separated that in my mind, again, I can do as much dentistry as I want. I could be a full-time practicing dentist. Hmm. I'm not going to fall back into that slope because I've made that distinction. So it's a, it's a mindset more than anything. Do you have to do that? I guess, tell yourself that every day? Repeatedly, yeah. Yeah, because you fall back into it. You know, it's like anything, right? You get on a diet, you do well for a few months, then you start like, oh, cheating a little bit, cheating a little bit. You have to remind yourself, ah, okay. I remember what's important now. Yeah, that's kind of tough, man. I feel like, you know what I mean? You're, uh, maybe if you're on uh, like social media or anything like that, you start thinking like, oh, I got to do more. I got to start doing more things. And then you're, you're back on that horse again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. you want to get off. I like that. I like that you, you told us that you have to continue to remind ourselves constantly about that repetition. So talk to me about Pearl then. Yeah. So Pearl, uh, the story of Pearl is that one of our patients came to us during a hygiene check and he said, you know, I've got this, this AI company. We look at images on the internet and we do ads and we, we um, look at sports sponsorship, but I'm thinking about incorporating dentistry into that. Would you want to help me with that? And I was like, well, I don't know anything about AI. This is at the time. But uh, yeah, I know a little bit about dentistry. So happy to help. And so that was back in 2015, 2016, something like that. And um, we ended up incubating what is now Pearl within his company, which was called Gum Gum at the time. <laughs> that company is now, uh, Gum Gum is now worth about 1.7 billion. We incubated it. Then we ended up spinning out that company. We spun out Pearl from Gum Gum, raised our own round of financing, and officially started Pearl in 2019. What we do at Pearl is we we take different types of imagery. So whether that's bite wings or periscopic x-rays or panos, or CBCTs or intraoral scans, and we add a layer of artificial intelligence to them. So anything that, you know, a dentist would see in a radiograph, 
we can then start to train a computer to recognize that as well. And the thing that's important about AI is that it's consistent. It never has to sleep, never has to eat, never has to take a break, and it can scale quickly. And it can be very accurate, a lot more accurate than a human when it's trained correctly. So give me an example, like an everyday example of how Pearl's being utilized. Yeah, so you, you take a radiograph in your practice, and now when you pull it up with our second opinion software, you have little boxes and shapes over the top of it that is telling you and helping, assisting the doctor on what may be in the radiograph. Because doctors are busy and we're inconsistent, unfortunately, just because we're human, all humans are inconsistent. But I may be injecting a patient in one room. You know, let's say I'm, my wife is calling me in another room. I'm talking to my front office staff about something. And then I have to go in and do an exam. I may miss something. And AI is there as an assistive tool. We've done a lot of research on this. When you take into account the AI plus the human, you get better results. It's just like the intelligent driving systems that we have now. You know, it keeps you in the lane. It makes sure that you're a certain distance from the car ahead of you, the car behind you. I'm a big car nut. But you still have the steering wheel. You still have the accelerator pedal and the gas pedal. So it's ultimately still the responsibility of the doctor, but now you have this AI assistant with you. And it's kind of like, I don't know if, if you're listening on the podcast, if for anybody listening right now, the listeners, if you're looking at, just go down to the show notes, look at the video, you can see um, Kyle's screen. Is, is it like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's showing little boxes and little lines and polygon shapes. We can take things like we have something called tooth parts, which is a type of AI called segmentation. And it makes little segments on the image and shows you where the enamel is, where the dentin is, where the pulp is, where the cementum is. So you can also have that intelligent conversation with your patients and show them in color and have like really good patient communication. Because when you show a patient a radiograph and you say, you know, you see this little gray spot here, they're like going, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but then you put like, you see this purple area? where there's a, that yellow box over it. Ah, so that's calculus or that's caries or that's whatever it may be. It allows them to really understand what's happening in their mouth. And usually what that means is better case acceptance. And we've seen that, you know, even in a single office, dental office, you can get an increase of, you know, 11 to like $25,000 a month of our users that are using this. Man, so... I mean, like, right. unless you like fully depend on it and then you're like, okay, you know what I mean? You're, the doctor's just not even aware. That's the only way it can probably miss something, right? Yeah. And that's never really the idea with AI. It's, it's kind of like a, a Tesla car, you know, you shouldn't turn your car on and go to sleep because people crash and we've seen it and people die. <laughs> the good thing about it, we do it in at Pearl and with dentistry is no one's going to die, right? We're, we're talking about teeth here. So there's less of a risk, but it's always better with the human involved. So you have sometimes where the AI outperforms the human. You have sometimes where the human outperforms the AI. But when you bring them together, that's when you get the best balance. That's when you get the best results. Nice, man. And so this is also, I mean, I can totally see how it improves better case or it improves the case acceptance. You know what I mean? That's um, right. How long have you been using it for? So the last, I guess, year and a half in my practice, something like that. You be using it every day? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is how we read radiographs. Now. It's, it's actually weird for me to look at radiographs without AI assistance. Wow. And I think we're going to get to that point 
in dentistry that AI is really a utility. It's going to be seen as something as simple as water or power or a drill in our practice. Just in a few years, we're going to look back at this and say, isn't it silly that we didn't have AI for so long? I think, I think you're a hundred percent. I mean, like it's honestly, AI is not, it hasn't like made a huge, or would you say it's made a huge splash in dentistry or not really? In dentistry? No, I think that it has crept into our lives that we may not even realize it. Right. So it's like your bank alerts, someone buys something on your cart. That's AI using Waze or Google Maps, that's using AI. Siri or Alexa, that's using AI, right? Using um, filters on your face that, you know, make you look like a cartoon or whatever it is. That's all AI. So we're using AI every day. If you have a modern iPhone and you go to take a picture, it actually takes eight photos before you take your first photo and takes the best pixels out of those photos and combines them. That's a form of AI. So we're using AI every day it just hasn't crept into dentistry. You know, and even in medicine, they've been using it for the last few years with looking at breast cancer screening and um, looking at brain scans and MRIs and fractures. And it's been a, had FDA approval for many of those different aspects. So this is FDA approved? That's right. Yeah, we have FDA approval for, I think it's nine different classes. So it's, you know, calculus, caries and margin discrepancies and all these different things. How many people are, are, I guess, users utilize Pearl right now? Yeah, so in our pipeline, you know, different people are at different people that are piloting, some people that are in full rollout. There's around 4,000 in that pipeline. And that's, that's international too. So we have regulatory approval in over 50 countries currently. We're the, we're the only company to have something like that. Gotcha. Okay. So we're in Europe and we're in Australia and we're in Brazil and we're in Canada and Mexico and Saudi Arabia and UK. So all of so, so this right now, because any of our listeners right now in the UK or anything like that, if they're interested in Pearl, they can just, they can get it. That's right. Wow. Okay, man. Good stuff, man. This is really, really good. How do you see it evolving from, from this point on? Like, do you guys have future plans for it or anything like that? Yeah, so, you know, currently AI is a lot on the diagnostic aspect or, you know, assisting in the diagnostic aspect, assisting the doctor on what they may see. I think in the future, it's going to get more into treatment planning. So not only finding something in a radiograph, but then recommending treatments and recommending treatments specifically for that patient, right? So 52-year-old male that has this many caries, has diabetes, has this very specific. That patient, this is what you should recommend instead of just like a blanket statement on everybody. Getting more granular with how we treat patients, I think is how AI is really going to help because it takes a ton of data and it's way too much data for our human brains to ever, to ever contemplate. But with AI, it can remember every image it's ever looked at. And it can also take into account multifactorial aspects. So not only can it find all the, all the caries, for example, but then it can take into account and cross-reference what's happening with diabetes or heart or, you know, medications and give little alerts to help the doctor's better treatment plan. So I think that's the next step is going towards treatment planning. Gotcha. Is there a specific, um, I'm going to ask more of a real specific question. How much is it? It's a few hundred bucks a month. Okay. Yeah. So we tried to make it very affordable because we think it, you know, should be in every practice around the world. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a few hundred bucks 
for anybody who's willing to, I mean, who, who wants to utilize this, right? Probably, which I kind of see it, uh, you know what I mean, happening. It's, it's going to happen. Like, it, I feel like, um, like, you know, a smartphone. You see it yeah. and you're like, you know how when we had flip phones, we're like, eh, no, I'm so, I'm so used to like the Blackberry or just like typing or just flipping the sidekick open. You know what I mean? And you're, you're used to that. You thought you were never, now look at us. We're all either Apple users, Android users. Like that. Gosh, I wanted a sidekick so bad and I never had it. And all the cool people had it. Just so. flipping it open all the time. I know. Yeah. But yeah, all my friends that were in bands and touring the world, they all had their sidekicks and that was such like a music scene thing. Yeah. Bringing me back with that one. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So I think that's exa- exactly what, you know what I mean? Artificial intelligence is going to, to be with dentistry. I'm excited to see it, man. I'm excited to see you guys grow more and more with this. Thank you. Um, I kind of want to go back a little bit to um, how you roll with everything, right? Doing this, Pearl, right? Because you are, what are you considered in Pearl? Like the founder? So I'm one of the co-founders and I'm the chief clinical officer. Okay. And then in your practice, same thing, right? Founder? Partner, yeah. So yeah, one of the co-founders partner, yeah. And then you're speaking... How many times a month? Let's just say per month. Per month, about twice. Twice. Okay. Yeah. Are you doing anything else or no? <laughs> Not that I know. Of. Okay. There's, okay. I don't know. If, like some people. There's go, probably other things in the works, but yeah. Some people are like, "Oh, I'm doing real estate," and all, you know what I mean. Other things. But, <laughs> so throughout all of this, man, like I guess, what have been some of the biggest since the moment you decided to go into dentistry, actually, till today? What have been some of your biggest struggles or fails or pitfalls? I know we discussed like the anxiety and depression. Yeah. But maybe with the business coming up or, or, or maybe with yourself, your family, what have been some of the biggest struggles you faced? Yeah. So, you know, the, the work-life balance was a big one. And that was something where I just did like more and more and more and more and more and more until I realized, oh, wow, this is a big problem. So the work-life balance was number one. I think the, the other difficult aspect was you go to school for so long to learn how to be a dentist. And then when you start a practice, you're a dentist, but you're a business owner. And I didn't know anything about business. And I'm lucky that I had my partner, Matt, that had started a practice before me. I was working as an associate before. And so I really had to learn business from him. And the only way he learned it is just by like researching on the internet. You know, mm-hmm. we go to school for so long and it's just like prep a better crown, do a better, you know, denture. And no one ever taught us business. And you have to learn it. And that's where I think so many dentists fail is that They're so focused on, you know, you've heard this quote before, but working in their business than working on their business. That's why I think it helped us to have multiple owners was that, you know, one of us could be working in our business while another was working on our business. Yeah. How do you make that work, Kyle? How do you make like your partnership? Because, you know, you hear a lot of people who say like, you don't need a partnership, right? You don't need, you just need like a good assistant or something like that. I mean, like as far as like helping you with the business, how do you make it work? I think the how we've made it work is that we're very honest with each other. And Matt is great at this. He's good at having the difficult conversations, even the ones I don't want to have. I'm like, Matt, don't talk to me about this. And he's like, no, we need to talk about this. And like, you know, we can be mad about it and we can, I mean, we've like shouted at each other before, but it was things that needed to be said. And then we figured it out. And the other thing I think is, is understanding that it doesn't have to stay static all the time. Our partnership has changed completely. You know, people have got more equity. People have got less equity. We've changed the structure on how we pay each other. 
to be, you know, more fair because when I started lecturing more than I wasn't in the practice anymore. So we've had to change that and we've just made it fair. And, you know, there were times when I felt like it's unfair for me. There were times when he said, like, it's unfair for me. And we've we've gotten to a point on where both people are flexible and realizing that life changes over time and it's worked. But I think the biggest thing is having those crucial conversations that need to happen, even though you may hurt someone's feelings. Mm. How often do you do you do that where you guys are like, let's sit down and let's talk about our our equity? Because I feel like like I would assume Matt's the one who comes up to you or you might come up to him and you're like, hey, man, like, dude, I've been I've been here almost every day. Like, let's talk about our equity. Is it at that point when one of you guys feel like it's a breaking point or it's usually when I mean, most of it had to do with me and my changing profession, right? So when we started, I was like there all the time. And then I was like, oh, I'm not there all the time because I'm lecturing. I'm lecturing more, 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 more. And then it was like with Pearl, oh, well, now you're only going to be here once a week. Now you're only going to be here a few times a month. So we constantly had to change it so that it was still fair for everybody. I shouldn't be getting paid if I'm not there. Mm-hmm. If he's doing all the managing, then he should have something that's paying him for doing all the managing. And I shouldn't. So I think it's had to do with um, restructuring how we pay each other. You know, some people pay each other on daily production. Some people pay each other on collections. Some people pay each other on a day rate and you know, et cetera. So we've just had to change that over time. Would you say that's been one of the most difficult conversations you guys had to talk about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But it's I, good. I'm glad it happened. Yeah. I feel like because now we're both happy. Yeah. I feel like on your part, that takes a lot of um, like awareness and humility. You know what I mean? To be like, hey, man, like we both started it up. I mean, like we both like without you, without yeah, me. I was, the door. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like we're both doing this. So what if I'm lecturing? I'm bringing in new patients. You know what I mean? And I'm doing this. and that. But but yeah, like I said, it takes a lot of humility on your part. You know what I mean? To be like, yeah, OK, that's cool. We can we can make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I think that's something that a lot of us. I guess that's more like personal, right? You got to work on yourself. Yeah, for sure. You know, I had to bring, I have to bring my ego down. Yeah, that's true. Then throughout this process also with your practice, right? uh, Specifically, what are some systems that maybe you and Matt created together or you created together or you created on your own that what is unique to your practice where you're like, guys, if, if you do these systems, wow. We are crazy organized. Um, We are always trying to organize more and more and more, whether it's how we do case pans for patients or how we do notes on our practice management system, how we file papers, how we, or I mean, everything is labeled. We're crazy about labeling. I don't know if I have anything very specific, but just the fact that we are so hyper-organized constantly cleaning out the office too, like, you know, once a year, it's like, let's clean out the office. What do we not need anymore? Let's get rid of it. Cause we have a small office. (laughs) It's, it's very small. So we have to be really minimal on, on what we have. And that creates a better environment. I think, you know, in the biggest thing, one of the biggest things was how we built out our practice. It was limited in, in space. So we had to really be smart with how we built out our practice. We used some certain companies, like there's a company called Ingle that makes some chairs that traverse, that go forward and back. You know, most chairs go up and down. <laughs> this goes forward and back. So you can really utilize 
space better and you can have smaller uh, operatories that don't feel as small. We actually use um, another company called Design Ergonomics, which is based out of, I think, Boston. And they make these great, um, really well-designed ergonomic parts for the operatory, whether it's a delivery unit or sinks that like go into the wall that saves space. So we had to do a lot of research on that. And I think it really helps our office be quaint, but not feel small. Everything's being utilized exactly. That's right. Yeah, it's like a boat. You know, anytime you pull something out, there's like three different drawers where you can organize things. And we had to find team members that were that were willing and that, that had that same personality of like being organized. How'd you find the team members? That's one of the hardest things right now. I mean, you just have to go through enough to where you find the good ones. A lot of our team members at one time were dentists from other countries that we got based on, you know, our connections with lecturing. You know, hey, my sister from Brazil is going to be in Los Angeles. She's a dentist, but she can't practice there. She's looking for a job. So we had a lot of our dental assistants or even some of our front office staff are dentists from other countries. That's really good then. And I think showing that you do quality work makes people want to work for you. They feel a sense of pride on what's happening in the practice. Yeah. Has it ever been uh, like a... Not a good sit. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can easily find that, especially if you guys are hyper organized, where you're like, this person is not hyper organized. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we've gone through staff members that don't show up or that steal from us or that lie or, you know, we've gone through a lot of that. So it happens in any business. Yeah. But, you know, the good ones stay and you treat the good ones well and they stay. Gotcha, man. Awesome. So fire quickly. When you talk about fire quickly, do you give them like, uh, okay, you're written up, then yes. you're written up again, things like that, or just written up once and then that's it? Oh my God, second mistake. No, I mean, we usually give the, it depends on what the offense is, but we, again, we've gotten very organized about write-ups and reviews and the whole thing, which is annoying because, you know, as a, as a dentist, you want to focus on being a dentist, right? But you have to run your business like it's a Fortune 500 business, otherwise you're at risk of lawsuits and all kinds of stuff, and especially in California. Because mm-hmm. we have to be very hyper-organized. You know, I wrote this person up, I put in their file, I wrote another one up, put in their file, third time, you're out. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. One of the last questions I want to ask you is, with the systems that you made, as far as compared to being hyper-organized to what you're doing for marketing and everything like that, what to you, even with Pearl, what to you has been like your best uh, ROI that you've seen? Whether it's like, I feel great, or it's monetary? I mean, this is probably really biased, but I think that Pearl, we've kind of shown it, but Pearl is one of the best ROI software you can have. I mean, there's, there aren't very many softwares that you can install for a few hundred bucks a month that bring you back, you know, 10 to 20,000 a month. So it's just, it's adding in this new technology that we've never had before. Having another set of eyes that's going through, looking at all of your radiographs, looking at all your charts, making connections, see patients that, have missed opportunities, patients that were undertreated, patients that need to come back in because they have something that the AI found that the dentist may have missed. I think that's, you know, one of the biggest opportunities we have right now is in our own practice. I think so many times people focus on, I need more patients, I need more patients, I need more patients. And within your own practice, you know, you've probably heard like the million dollar filing cabinet before, but with AI, you have someone going through all those files. I mean, if they're digitized, of course. 
mm-hmm. every day checking, hey, these people are coming in. You have a $5,000 day, but this could be a $7,000 day because here's two things that are unscheduled that we can get treatment, that we can get um, treated. Or here's two things that are untreated or undiagnosed that could get treated today. So it's this constant assistant that is going through and finding opportunities within your own practice. You know, when we go into an average, you know, one or two dentist practice, we usually find over a million dollars worth of opportunity sitting in their practice that day doing no more marketing. So Pearl then basically, right, is like a really, really good uh, ROI. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that, to be honest with you. I didn't know like while you're not in the office, it can go through your, you know what I mean? Like your your new patients or your existing patients and then just be like, hey, you miss this. Yep, that's right. You're going to miss this tomorrow circle it. It does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, you know, next time the patient comes in, when they come in on the normal hygiene cadence, you can get a treatment plan or get it treated that day. Man. Awesome. Kyle, this has been fantastic. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being with us. But before we say goodbye, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah. So easiest place to find me is on Instagram. It's just Dr. Kyle Stanley, Dr. Kyle Stanley, or um, you can find us at for Pearl. It's hellopearl.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. If you can message me on Instagram, I respond to everything. Awesome. So guys, that's all going to be in the show notes below. Make sure you check out Pearl, talk to Kyle, ask him for any advice. If you have any questions or concerns. And Kyle, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon. Really good talking to you, Michael. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that episode. I truly appreciate it. And guys, if you want to reach out to Kyle, make sure you go in the show notes below. All his contact information is in the show notes below. If you want to talk to me a little bit more, you can definitely join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. You can talk to all of our guests. You can interact. We ask more questions and concerns. We discuss things there. We do more Facebook lives in there. So if you want, go in the show notes below. Join the Facebook, the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group as well. And if you can, if you like what you're listening to, guys, we are about 10 reviews away from 100 reviews on iTunes. So please, if you can, go press pause right now or just press pause right now and then go to iTunes. It's going to be in the show notes below as well. And drop us a review. Five stars preferably, you know, but if you want, we leave whatever you want, right? Um, Just let me know how I'm doing. That way we can continue to improve and bring you the content and the guests and the things that you want on the podcast. I really, really want to just bring the things that you want. If you're enjoying the Monday Morning Marketing Series, let me know right in the review. If you're enjoying these episodes, let me know as well. I truly appreciate it. And I, I want to thank you guys always for supporting the podcast. It means so much to me. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you in the next episode.